is Motherboard. I'm Katherine Rotendo, and today's guest is Jenny Snyder. Jenny is a MySQL database administrator at Yelp. As the first mom on the engineering team, uh, she was feeling isolated until she met other moms at Yelp and started a moms group. I'm really excited to talk with her today about their initiatives to make reboarding better after leave. Jenny is based in the San Francisco Bay Area and has a nine-month-old baby. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Catherine. Thanks so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of this podcast. <laughs> Yay. Well, I'm delighted to hear that you listened to the podcast like at the same time that you have, have a young baby. That's so what I put it out there for. Awesome. I did, and it was really helpful. Um, you know, a lot of my friends who are women and have kids are either in the educating or the nursing field. Um, very few of them are in startups. So I didn't, I didn't actually know any women in startups who had babies. And listening to your podcast either right before I delivered my daughter Zelda or while I was on leave was really helpful to me. Oh my goodness. That makes me so happy. You know, there, there was this funny, um, when I was dreaming up this project, um, I, uh, one of the first people that I talked to about it was Google people, <laughs> corporations or people. No, um, I applied for a grant from Google to attend, uh, the Grace Hopper conference celebration. Okay. Um, and, uh, and, uh, to get this grant from Google, you had to talk about a project that you would do that would give back to the community that would take what you learned at the conference and like spread it wider. Um, so I proposed doing this project, the podcast, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and so, uh, I was chosen and I, I went to the conference and there was the exhibit hall full of booths where uh-huh. you could drop your resume, right. To, to apply for these companies. And yeah, I think you may have been there. <laughs> oh, um, well, and, uh, uh, instead of like walking up with my resume, I would walk up and ask companies like, Hey, do you happen to know of any moms or, or new moms or new parents at your, your company who might be willing to talk for a podcast? And I got so many weird looks like, oh, fascinating. like what is this? Yeah. Um, but there was this one, this one woman who her eyes kind of flashed and then she, uh, uh like it was this momentary thing. And then she was like, oh, I do know someone I can connect you to. And then when her coworker went away to get a snack, she told me, like, I'm actually pregnant right now. And I haven't known, like, how to talk to people at my company about it. And this is absolutely needed. Um, yeah. And so that that helped to light my fire to actually um, to see it through. But it's really encouraging to hear that that it's helping people. Oh, that's awesome. What a great, I don't know if you've ever told the origin story of this podcast um, I, on here. I think it's great. Yeah. I don't think I have either. Yeah. Yeah. So I owe a lot to Google for that. Um, yeah. That's, that's awesome. For a long time, I fantasized, especially while, you know, especially while pregnant about the idea of getting women at startups and women in engineering organizations together who were pregnant or moms because I knew that I didn't know any and mm-hmm. um, just like an open source community for an open source community or um, anywhere where you can go to swap stories be there be there positive and encouraging or you know asking for validation and support it's really important to have that community and I fantasize about the idea well if I go to prenatal yoga at lunch in my in Soma then maybe I'll meet more women in my workplace and it just kind of never happened. Um, and I did meet, you know, women in the birthing class who were pregnant and I did have my friends to fall back on, but very few of them had the, did the kind of quality of work that I did where, um, you know, I'm definitely older than, um, a lot of the other members of our engineering team. Um, I'm older than a lot of other women in engineering and um, what, how you define a peer can be very different as your life changes and you enter into different, you know, phases of your life. So I was definitely interested in that, you know, peer membership, but I wasn't able, able to ever kind of make it happen myself. So I'm glad that you are, even if it's, and even <laughs> the fact that it's virtual, I think is great because 
it brings women together, you know, dis- regardless of just geographic disparity. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was um, home with my baby, when he was, uh, uh, I guess, well, yeah, during the three months that I was home before going back to work and even after that, um, I just remember... Um, uh, listening to episode after episode, like marathon style of This American Life, um, which is a great podcast. Ira's voice is still totally soothing to me. I know people go either way on that, but um, yeah. I, I found him totally comforting and it made me feel a little less alone, <laughs> like to be able to listen to a podcast on my uh, iPhone while I was nursing. And, um, but I, I had kind of wished there were more relevant. <laughs> podcasts to listen to too sure i mean now i listen to this one i really like the broad experience oh ashley milton's height yeah she's fantastic yeah that one i really enjoy and then you know as far as just kind of satisfying my nerdy side i listen to a lot of planet money and freakonomics oh cool yeah i um i have a split of of industry podcasts and like storytelling podcasts like the moth or um reply all have you heard that one yet it's um oh it's alex bloomberg split off from from planet money and is doing his own thing and like making a oh (laughs) i don't have the words making a company that makes podcasts like that's their whole thing and uh anyway reply all is a new one about the internet um so it's kind of cool that's fascinating. I think it's a great format for um, being able to digest information while you're doing something else. I also have listened to a lot of audiobooks. Um, while I was pregnant, I listened to Bringing Up Baby, um, oh, Nerd cool. Shock, um, and a couple others that kind of skip my mind right now. But um, they were a way to have, you know, background noise and something going on while you're kind of in that fog of you know, especially with a newborn, you have to hold the baby all the time or be constantly attentive to the baby, but you're sleep deprived and tired and you're, it's, it's a difficult time. So having something else to kind of intellectually stimulate is really helpful. I totally agree. All right. So let's go back a, a few steps, um, to before you were, before you had this baby, before you were even pregnant, um, you work at Yelp for people who don't know what is Yelp and what do you do there? Sure. Um, Yelp's mission is to connect um, people with great local businesses. Um, If you think about it, we have a mobile application and an online site where you can search for um, businesses and find ratings on them and provide reviews yourself. So I've been here for, it'll be four years in April, and um, I'm now the technical lead of the MySQL DBA team. Um, I was the first DBA here at Yelp. And, um, you know, since my position's grown, as our DBA team has now a team of four. Um, I've always liked websites with a social component. Uh, my second degree is in sociology. I started off working kind of in the dot-com internet age at tribe.net and um, have just kind of moved, moved around from there. So did you start as the team lead or did you advance into that role? I was a team lead of a team of one, if that <laughs> makes sense. Um, you know... Yelp has been around since, um, you know, the mid-2000s, and something that's really great about the way that the team collaborates um, focuses on performance and scalability, and, um, you know, I kind of think almost implementing, you know, DevOps before it was a thing was that Yelp didn't need a MySQL DBA Hmm. until it had been in production for five years, which is, is actually pretty awesome. Um, That also meant that when I started, there was a lot of low-hanging fruit and easy wins that we could do to, you know, make the system better and faster and more resilient. Um, But over time, as our platform has grown and um, the number of users have grown, we've needed to scale out our systems and it's time to have a bigger team. Okay. So did that happen sort of gradually or all at once? It did. We had two members join the team at the same time, but um, all within the past couple of years. Okay. Cool. And how has it been... um... I feel like I'm asking this question of a lot of people lately. There are a lot of people rising in the ranks of their company, but how has it been um, going from being a developer to a developer and manager? I'm actually not managing. I'm a technical lead. Oh, okay. So, um, I'm still doing a lot of technical work. 
although um, I'm also kind of the go-to person for um, certain like larger, large-scale architectural questions. Um, if I'm kind of describing that right, it's still a technical role. Um, you know, our engineering organization is actually pretty flat, and it's really cool in that way because it means that your peers are a large group, and it can be very um, creative and collaborative, and everyone has a voice. And that's kind of how I feel about um, Yelp overall. You know, one of the amazing things about Yelp was we have this culture of collaboration and, and bringing ideas together no matter who you are. And that's where at first I didn't feel comfortable bringing feedback about the mother's room. But as soon as I did, these ideas were picked up and run with. And now Yelp's a better place. And how big was the team when you got pregnant? The team had grown. So the team had grown to three people by the time that I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, and both of the members, the other SQL DBA team members have been on, um, on board for quite some time. And um, we actually gained our fourth team member while I was away on leave. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so uh, did you know that that person would be coming on? I, I, had, I had referred her in. Um, she and I had met for coffee a couple of times, and I felt like she was a great culture fit for the role, and she and I had talked about it. Um, because she and I had talked before, I didn't interview her, but I did kind of break away from leave at one point to perform one Skype interview, um, but otherwise I was pretty offline. Oh, interesting. Did you have to uh, make sure that someone else knew uh how to onboard her, or was that really already in other people's hands anyway? Um, that's a really great question. As far as onboarding is concerned, that's something that um, Yelp actually, Yelp Engineering really prides itself with. Um, we are constantly growing um, Yelp as an application, and we need to grow our team to do so. So I feel like we have a lot of really great documentation for doing this, and where the documentation is missing, um, we really empower the new person to help make it better. Oh. Um, and part of that is we have this concept of a new hire buddy. Um, everyone who starts at Yelp gets this, everyone in engineering who starts at Yelp gets this concept of a buddy, someone who will help foster them through the process. Um, nice. And so, um, you know, when she started, she had someone like that. and. You know, I think she had been there maybe for a month by the time I came back, maybe a little bit longer. But after that, she and I started meeting um, once a week for coffee um, in the mornings just to kind of catch up and, you know, answer any questions that she had remaining or, you know, also allow me to get to know her better and her work better. Right. Wow. I'm, I'm impressed with the system. I've never worked somewhere with a, you know, with someone making sure that I've, I've got the got everything under control. It's pretty cool. Um, we also have a lot, we have a lot of new grad hires and uh. um, a lot of interns. And as a result, I feel like that process has really, that process of foster, of bringing someone in um, allows us to kind of strengthen our culture mm -hmm. um, and then also make people feel more warm. I, I really, I really like it. Cool. All right. So, um, so I, I was asking about preparing for this new hire, but how were you preparing yourself uh, when you knew that you would be out to have a baby? Um, you know, my boss was really amazing in this regard. Um, he actually was one of the few people in the engineering organization who had worked with people who had gone on leave and returned and had babies before. Um, at first, I kind of tried to treat it like a really long vacation. Um, <laughs> You know, close out all of my projects, um, do a massive knowledge jump in a documented searchable form um, <laughs> rather than just, you know, give someone a huge amount of information and walk away. Um, I tried to set things up as well as I could for my leaving. Um, I let people know that I would be checking email occasionally. Um, that did not happen as often as um, Fantasy Jenny thought it would. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, um, but, you know, there were... You know, there were some texts, there were some emails, um, there was that Skype interview, and I did come to the office twice for visits and to catch up with people while I was on leave. I think one of the things that we're going to be doing um, moving forward as part of the moms group um, here at Yelp is we're going to be collaborating with members of our HR team to um, help prepare managers 
um, for when they're hot, you know, for when they're um, imp when their direct reports go on leave and come back. It's it's such a difficult thing to iterate on and. Um, you know, think of everything before it happens. And also not all positions are the same. You know, some some people work on long-term projects where they're the ex only expert in a particular system, and some people work where their jobs are more interchangeable. And obviously some of those are more difficult to off-board and then re-board. Um, we're going to be looking at that. This is, um, this is so interesting to me because I've been thinking a lot lately, and this is going to sound like a tangent, but about codes of conduct. Mm -hmm. at conferences. And um, with a code of conduct, there are two pieces to it, really. There's uh, the written piece that anyone, you know, speakers, attendees, uh, staff are, are familiar with, can read and know what sure. the policies are. And then there's the training of the staff to handle anything that comes mm -hmm. up related mm -hmm. yep. to the code of conduct, right? And um, I haven't really thought about this in terms of leave policies at a company, but it sounds kind of the same. Like there has to be the, the written policy. Everybody knows the parameters of what's going on, but, um, but also people training. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's just kind of like any, anytime there's a situation that you want people to be able to improvise around, you know, this is happening. Okay. I'll do this. Maybe it feels like a special case. Um, you actually need to practice in order to make it perfect or have the ideal outcome every time. Um, that makes a lot of sense. With, you know, I think part of the reasons that it's tough for startups to evolve their HR policies and evolve their management processes over time is until you reach, you know, the top of that, like hockey stick up and to the right, um, it's always a first case. <laughs> so, you know, I was the first woman in engineering to be pregnant and have a baby. Now there's a second woman who's pregnant. Um, we also just hired another woman who has a three-year-old son. Um, in each of these situations, you know, until it becomes a recurring everyday practice um, and people provide feedback into the system and we kind of come together around, um, you know, an agreed upon set of best practice, it'll always be the first time. And that's really tough. That <laughs> um, is yeah. And that's something that if you think of, if you kind of just, and kind of for me to drag this back to operational practices or, um, you know, database administration work, you know, it's this first time a database host goes down. It's like, well, I had a run book for that. This host has disappeared. Is it a special case? Did these things work as quickly as planned? Mm. You know, do we, and it's in engineering, we have retrospectives and postmortems to kind of analyze um, how something went and provide feedback into the system so it's better for next time. It is so difficult to do that for maternity leave <laughs> and reporting because, A, it's very personal and yeah. it's a little bit different for everybody. And um, if it happens very infrequently, it's if it's personal, it's hard to ask deep questions about. You know, you don't want to bother people too much. But yeah. uh, I'm really hoping that our moms group can come together and provide feedback. And we actually already have provided feedback to make the system better for future women. But um I can only imagine at a startup where, you know, women are, um, you know, forging the path fresh, you know, they're not only experiencing this thing for this first time, but they're having to help everyone through the ex their experience for the first time too. talking to an HR person who's never handled maternity leave before, um, asking the benefits person to walk them through those EDD forms, which is so difficult. Um, yeah. <laughs> All of these processes, when everyone's doing it the first time, it's bound to be exceptionally difficult. And unfortunately, there's going to be things that don't go as planned. How do you, how do you learn from that experience and make it better? That that's tough. Yeah, I, uh, when I had my son, I worked fully remotely. So I, I generally talk about the the job that I had next as the one that I where I was a new parent um, that I started when he was six months old. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, at that company, I was the only woman on the engineering team. Um, the yeah. one other woman in the company was the accountant and she, or, I, I think her kids were like eight years old or something that, you know, yeah. beyond. Um, and I remember so sheepishly asking her, well, first I remember that when I went into the interview for this company, like, um, 
I didn't, you never quite know how long an interview is going to take or how many people you're going to talk to necessarily. And it went quite longer than I expected. And by the end, I was so uncomfortable because I needed to pump. Oh, and I gosh. just felt so awkward because, you yep. know, I didn't want to tell any of these men that I was interviewing with like, hey, it's great. You know, it's great that we're talking here until 6 p.m. But like, I really need to go back to my car and pump milk. Yeah. What's, um, yeah. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, and, and then um, and then I remember asking that woman uh, once I I was hired and I I needed to find a place inside to pump milk like where to do it and she pointed me to the bathroom. She's like, I don't know, I guess the bathroom. And um, that's not legal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Catherine, I'm so sorry you had that experience. I'm really. Oh. Was... Yeah, it's it sucks that so many women had to trailblaze. Um, yeah. Well. Teach- point of there being laws related to you know what makes an acceptable mother's room yeah well I think um the startup that I was at was uh small enough that the laws didn't apply actually Mm -hmm. um which is also another really annoying um loophole but um but yeah like and as well-meaning as everyone at the company was like they were psyched to have me and my engineering skills on board but no one knew a thing about having a new mom in the workplace and it just wasn't built for that. So, so these things like like software, they need iteration, you know, like someone goes through it and then you can make it better. Yeah. And everyone's well-intentioned. I mean, very few people, at least I hope very few people wake up in the morning, put their feet down and be like, I'm going to be a colossal jerk today about (laughs) someone who's Situation I don't understand. You know, there aren't right. you know, people just aren't like that. Everyone means the best, but it. And even if you know, you know, my this person who I really love working with at work cares about me deeply and is genuinely interested in this. It's difficult to broach a subject when you've never talked to them about stuff like this before. I even, as I became more and more pregnant at work, um, waddling down the <laughs> hall. Um, it was difficult to discuss some of these things with people. People asked me very well-meaning questions, and I was always glad to talk about it, but I didn't want that to be – I also didn't want that to become my identity. You know, Jenny is the pregnant lady. Yeah. That is the thing that we talk about. You know, it's – Yeah. It's, it's a very tr- fine line to walk. Oh, Yeah. All right. So tell, tell me more about this. How were you while you were pregnant? Were you well – were you sick? Yeah, I was yeah. very fortunate to have a pretty easy pregnancy. Um, I I felt pretty tired and generally, you know, kind of like a low-level hangover for the first three months. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was pretty much it. It definitely was distracting during that time to not feel 100%. Um, you certainly become very distracted because it's very hard not to think about. Um, yeah. And... Um, but you're also not telling people, so it's difficult. Um, I did have one colleague who had a daughter who was actually probably about my daughter's age now. And really early on, I told him that I thought I might be pregnant. We were able to talk about it during, like, when we were both in early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, it was, you know, otherwise it was kind of difficult not to talk about and feel like I wasn't running at top speed. yeah. But went okay. Um, I did have one bout with heartburn that was awful, but um, from there on, I was really, I was really lucky. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad for yeah. you. So then, um, toward the end of the pregnancy, did you take any leave off before the due date or before the birth, or did you work straight up until? Yeah, I um, my manager was awesome, and he and I were able to discuss early and often that you know this was kind of my first time experiencing, um, mm-hmm. obviously experiencing this. I didn't really know what to expect, and he completely understood, and we just agreed to keep the lines of communication open and move from there. Um, I did, t- I did work from home starting two weeks before my due date, and then I took one week off before my due date. Um, As is common with first pregnancies, my daughter arrived five days after my due date. So I actually got what was really cool, like a whole full week um, extra home. And my husband had taken that time off too. So we got this really kind of special week where I did not feel particularly great, but (laughs) I was home and as comfortable as possible. And we 
made it a little special. We went out to eat a bunch. Um, I kind of got some extra time to handle weird things. I'm like, oh man, I don't have this thing. Or what if I don't have enough diapers? You know, (laughs) those things that you always think up at the last moment, whether it's packing for vacation or having a baby. Um, (laughs) But it, it was really nice to have that time. I wish that I had taken more time off because a lot and everyone says that oh you can't get that time back you really can't um and I I do recommend I think that in hindsight I wish I had had one more week but you know other than that it was really great yeah I do remember those few days before the birth being really really nice (laughs) days and also going out to eat and um, yeah, I'm just getting nostalgic hearing you talk about it. Oh, yeah. You're huge. <laughs> Everyone offers you their seat on the Metro, which <laughs> is Bart here. Um, and you're just wearing your PJs. You kind of stop trying to wear those jeans <laughs> that don't quite fit. Um, I got to, and I just, I didn't have anything planned. It's it's similar to when, I don't want to trivialize it and say it's similar to going on vacation, but sometimes it takes a week to decompress and get all of the thoughts out of your head. Um, I had one project that I hadn't really quite put to bed. So I got to do a little, I got to polish the documentation a little bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. and I just felt like I did have it fully out of my, you know, work fully out of my system by the time the baby came. And that was really nice. I don't know if I would have had that otherwise. Good. Well, so then how did you find being at home with little baby? It was, it was both, it was both great and difficult. Um, I really liked the idea that this was all I had to do um, for this point of time. But of course, as you know, all I have to do is, is really difficult. Um, I tr- mistakenly attempted to apply my um, data-driven problem-solving um, <laughs> techniques to a newborn, which is impossible. You, you cannot make you know, you can't make a baby stop crying or solve her gas issues if her digestive system doesn't work yet. There's just, you know, it was very, it was amazing and incredibly frustrating at the same time. You know, that didn't stop me from logging like everything I could log. I have, I have, I got baby, I had baby connect installed on my phone weeks before. And, you know, I, I still, to this day, log her sleep time, even though she's mostly sleeping through the night. And I know, and I've kind of like now the patterns have kind of solidified. I know that she's going to wake up early if she didn't have a great dinner or get enough milk to drink before she went to sleep. And, but I still, for some reason, I'm logging it in the hopes there's <laughs> pattern there. I don't know. It's just, it's not, yeah, it was a, it was a losing and, <laughs> and recording her diapers didn't make any, it's just, no. it's, But I, you know, and so I really, I had read a lot of books and I felt like I could, you know, collect this information. I could be very observant and I could somehow make this experience smooth and blissful and and possible. But, you know, when the baby and when the baby was crying from, you know, 530 until 10 o'clock at night, it could be, it could be very difficult. And it wasn't, it didn't happen every night, but. I think for a long time, there was a lot of, you know, I was kind of racked by, I had had a lot of hubris going into the situation, Mm. I guess. And, um, you know, whenever you start doing something new, you need to expect that you're going to suck at it for a while. And I kind of hadn't really expected how much that was going to be the case. (laughs) Yeah. So. But other than that, the daytimes were really nice. My husband was home for three weeks, which I really appreciate. Um, my parents, nice. unfortunately, um, one of my sisters was in town, and so we got lots of visits from them. I had a lot of really generous help from um, friends and family, and I felt you know, very surrounded by love. And the initial period of um, you know, newborn infancy, they sleep a lot during the day, which can really help you you know, try and recover yourself. Although as you're starting to learn to slow down yourself, that can be really difficult. Oh, I found that so hard actually just, um, I mean, I, I couldn't nap on demand. Everyone says to sleep when the baby sleeps. And I just, (laughs) I had never, like I had never slept during the day in any of my adult life. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I, I found that so hard, no matter how sleep deprived I was, I found it so hard, even though the baby oh, yeah. would, would sleep during the day. Like it was really hard for me too. Yeah. It's incredibly difficult, especially when you've got all this stuff to think about. You know? Yeah. Um, all yeah, this I, stuff to beat yourself up over. I experienced a lot of that myself. I did, I did sleep during the day actually quite a bit during my pregnancy. Um, just like naps on weekends mm -hmm. and naps when I first got home from work. So I was a little prepared, but yeah, it's difficult, especially when you know the baby goes for a nap for a nap and you're like, okay, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. I'm just going to get some water. I'm just going to make myself something to eat. I'm just going to pick up these three things and then I'm going to take a nap. But once you accomplish those things, the baby might be up again. It's Yeah, exactly. It's mm. So, um, so would you say that you were um, excited about going back to work or were you a little bit it's, like? It's hard. I think, yeah. you know, right around, so I took, it was 13 weeks mm -hmm. from her birth to my going back to work. And I was both um, ready for that intellectual stimulation and um, felt like I really had the pattern of her days down. She had just started going down to waking up only once a night. I felt like I really crushed sleep training. <laughs> um, and not sleep training, but she had just kind of fallen into this pattern, which was very agreeable to me. Once a night, I can totally get up just once a night. This is cool. Awesome. Um, and done. I, thank you. Unfortunately, <laughs> as we'll get to shortly, that, I was, that was, again, a mistake of hubris and overconfidence on my part. Um, oh. But I, I was really ready for the intellectual stimulation, and I felt really good about it. It's tough, though, too, when, but right around three or three months is when the baby starts smiling, and she was just starting to roll over. You know, she was almost about ready to roll over. Yeah. And she was starting to become really engaged, and that's when it's a lot more fun than an infant or a newborn who um, can't give you as much feedback or interaction. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a mixed it's definitely a mixed bag. I think everyone feels that. Yeah, it's true. Um I feel like I, I had no I, I didn't have friends with babies before I had a baby and I, I didn't know things like for the whole first month they can't really even focus on your face. Their eyes just yeah. look everywhere. <laughs> and um yeah, things like that. They make it a little bit hard to feel like I mean, you know that the baby wants to be around you all the time, but... Oh, yeah, that is, that is quite clear by the reaction <laughs> for when you leave. Right, that is quite clear. But um, but at the point where they're actually, like, looking back in your eyes... Or smiling, or yeah. smile when you do something. Yeah, that's, that's magic, and it really does make you feel very validated in your work, and so... <laughs> That's, you know, that's the reward for your day and you become very used to it while you do are interested in some intellectual stimulation. It's, it's hard. There's also yeah. a lot of apprehension about, I have just hired this, you know, I have just figured out this daycare situation. In my case, I hired a nanny. Mm -hmm. How is that going to work out? I've never managed an employee in my home before to this degree or... Yeah. You know, how is how is my daughter going to fare during the day? It's there's there's a lot more things to think about when that happens. And I didn't experience a lot of apprehension for it. I just kind of tried to focus on the fact that I knew that I did not know a lot of things and stuff was going to come up. Um, but I didn't I don't think that I was fully as prepared as I could have been for that. Yeah, I, I yeah. And in a way, I, I don't know. <laughs> Really, if you could have prepared, um, no, it's, it's, it's really kind of a different. learning on the job kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so you went back to work uh, full time, then immediately mm -hmm. at the at thirteen weeks, and your daughter uh, or was home with the nanny. Mm -hmm. um, how were the first few weeks back at work? The first few weeks were really brutal. Yeah, <laughs> um, I definitely, you know, I felt. Okay, to a certain degree, but I felt kind of isolated. It's it's so difficult when you try something new or when things don't work out the way you planned. 
is it because you didn't do something or is it because this is really hard? Now, mm. it's because it's really hard, but you don't always feel that way. So, um, you know, I didn't have a great experience pumping. Um, I didn't really think about how it was going to interrupt my day. Um, oh, I'm still, I found that so hard. I found oh, that yeah. so hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pump, nurse my daughter to um, one year. And so I'm still pumping three times a day. Um, I was being pretty hard on myself. Um, I wasn't thinking about stuff the right way. And, um, very early on, you know, there was a supply issue. I wasn't able to pump as much as my daughter wanted to nurse and, or drink during the day. And this combined with, you know, four months, there was a sleep regression. She started waking up every hour, hour and a half at (gasps) night. Um, increased my stress in a multitude of ways. Um, And, you know, right around that time, um, we had a form of the doctor's appointment where, you know, her weight gain wasn't what it was expected to be. She had Mm -hmm. actually dropped a band in weight percentiles. So there was then kind of this, um, you know, flurry of work and attention that had to be paid to try and figure out, okay, well, do we supplement with formula? Is a lactation consultant going to help make this happen? How do we... You know, how do we solve both the feeding problem and then also hope that that solves the night waking yeah. problem? Um, Hugely I kind of, stressful. Yeah, it's tough, especially when I think that there is this desire for a lot of women who are interested in breastfeeding to exclusively breastfeed their baby yeah. and supplement with formula. Um, for a while, it took me... You know, I had to come to grips with it. And unfortunately, the first formula that um, we tried out for my daughter did not work out. There were a couple of instances where there was lots of spit-ups. And actually, um, at one point, she vomited and the nanny became so concerned that she took her to the emergency room. Oh, wow. Um, And that was a new experience in and of itself, too. I had talked with the nanny about what would happen if my daughter got sick, but um, we hadn't you know, I hadn't really thought about how that would work if something like that had to happen. Wow. Yeah. So uh, were you able to eventually find something that she could yep. stomach? Yeah, we've moved to, it was, yeah, so we moved to one formula that worked pretty well, and now we're on a new formula that she loves, and she drinks a ton of a combination of, like, you know, I'm able to pump about half the milk that she drinks during the day, Mm -hmm. and then we supplement the rest with formula, and she is, I feel like she's really thriving. Her weight is back up, and um, I feel like that's one of the things that's made it possible to do a little bit of light sleep training, and now she pretty consistently sleeps 7 to, like, 5 or, like, on a good day, 7 to 6.30 is what I'm aiming for, but it just may never happen. Um, (laughs) But, you know, sleep, sleep deprivation is, is huge. Um, that's something else that we don't really factor in with our cognitive abilities. Um, you know, how difficult things appear to be and, um, you know, our confidence in the work that we do do. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I may have said this on the podcast before, I'm not sure, but I also believe that this factors in for dads too. I, yeah. I can't see, you know, at companies where dads have to go back after like two weeks of leave. I don't think the dads are thinking straight either. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. And it's, you know, just kind of inside, like I, I, I don't say that I hate very many things, but I hate the term mommy brain. Um, yeah. I feel like it trivializes um, so many scientifically valid things that happen, not, not to make excuses, but you know, by naming something and by naming something and quantifying and qualifying it, you can understand it better. To write something off as "quote unquote" mommy brain really trivializes um, the experience that new moms have. They are sleep deprived, um, much like when being pregnant. There are hormonal changes yeah. in their body. They are spending a large percentage of their time thinking about and cognitating over something that is new to them, which requires so much more attention and mental effort than the routine. You yeah. know, I can walk down the street while typing on my iPhone, but I'm pretty sure I couldn't do that when I first got my flip phone. You know, it, yeah. it takes, you know, you can't, you can't work and feel like the nanny has everything under control at, at home until you've seen that for yourself firsthand. And, yeah. uh, 
it, it just takes a lot of time adjusting to it. And that was not something that, you know, it was something that I quote unquote knew because people had told me, but it really took meeting other moms at Yelp and building a network here in the office to understand that not only was my experience, um, you know, regular, it was normal. Um, it was incredibly frustrating. I was doing a good job and it was something that I could be confident about rather otherwise, you know, I was really beating myself up. Yeah. You know, um, I think that it's kind of a symptom of, um, being a person who pursues excellence, right? Like it, it takes a certain kind of person to want to be an engineer, to want to uh, be able to have everything in order and fix the problems. And uh, yeah, I, I think often people who gravitate toward tech are people who want to do things right. Um, sure. And, and I think, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I think also for, you know, women working, excuse me, in a male dominated field, they're already having to maybe push themselves a little bit harder or, you know, whether, you know, whether they know it or not, or maybe it's conscious or it's unconscious, but I think they already might be the type of person who's used to pushing themselves harder and expecting a certain type of results. Yeah. When that doesn't happen, um, it's very difficult. You know, part of the reason that I also had a really hard time talking about um, feeling less confident and like I wasn't getting things done well is I didn't want people to, I was afraid that people were going to think less of me if I felt like I couldn't do as much as of my job. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I had to leave early to, um, go help the nanny or my daughter wasn't feeling well, you know, I, I felt, I felt very self-conscious about it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to, I think there's that kind of gut instinct not to draw attention to it when in actuality, the only person who's tripping about it is me. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people, I think it's really common to get caught up in, oh, this is going to be forever, or I'm somehow going to create a permanent impact by this short-term experience. In actuality, I think that, um, Anyone who has had this experience once knows that, you know, the thing about kids, everything's a phase. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the phase where they can't roll over. Now my daughter's got that down like a champ. You know, it's there's the phase where there's, you the know, teeth you come in or sure, the teeth or if you fall out. Leaps, or <laughs> yep. Or if you believe in leaps or not. Oh, my daughter's in a leap right now. That's why she's not oh, yeah. sleeping through the night, whatever. It's um, it can be. It can be really hard, and I think this the you know the point is to know that as long as you communicate, there will be my daughter will eventually sleep through the night, and I won't be you know I don't expect to be the sleep deprived forever. And as long as you make sure you yourself know that, it's it's easier to get through. I think. Yeah, very wise words. Um, so you started back at work. You were pumping milk, probably. Um, you know beating yourself up over how much milk you were or were not pumping. Oh, yeah. And you were alone in this mother's room because you're the first mom. Uh, well, there were more moms. So that's actually that's actually not true. There okay. were other moms at Yelp overall. I was just the first mom in engineering. Oh, okay. uh, and as it happened, I was using a different mother's room because um, I didn't really know about the other one or the qualities to it. Um, you know, and the only way I could really communicate it to other people was I said, I, I was, I'm feeling isolated. Mm. I don't know how to describe my experiences. And, that, and that's hard. I eventually um, reached out and met with a woman in HR because she was the only other woman that I knew at Yelp who was over 35. Um, <laughs> Yelp is an awesome organization um, within San Francisco. We all work in the same office. But, you know, it's just very natural when you work even though someone works a floor away or you see them in the in the main kitchen area or at the coffee bar, um, you know, unless you professionally work close to them, it's it's difficult to reach out and introduce yourself. You know, I have um, hundreds of peers within engineering and it's not it doesn't make sense for me to really reach out to people I don't know and say, oh, are you like me? Right. <laughs> um, right. Hard to do that. 
But so I met with um, this woman and she, you know, she is a stepmom herself. Um, she suggested I start a mom's group and she introduced me to three other moms. And that um, once I met with those women, that's when the light bulb really went on. This is this is hard. You are sleep deprived. It is normal to feel this way. Um, this will pass. Um, mm. Here are these things that I did that makes things better. Um, your manager doesn't reasonably expect these things of you. You are the person who is putting that on you. You know, all of these things that sometimes you just need to hear out of someone else's mouth. Um, these and these women were ex- incredibly <laughs> um, influential in my success. And, um, you know, I started to, so we kind of, so I started a mom's group with them. Um, right now we have a couple of different programs, but mainly it's an email list mm-hmm. um, for women at Yelp who are moms um, across all of our international offices. Um, and then our programs are, um, we make a point to welcome new moms to Yelp. Um, every woman who comes back um, can be introduced to this group and we'll make sure that she gets someone who will take her out to coffee, check in, force her to take some time to socialize and just kind of be there. Um, we, I kind of try and post um, different discussions to the list and other women post articles. It's really neat. Um, we're just going to start having lunches every other month or so. Um, it's right now just in San Francisco cause that's where I am, but eventually we'll have chapters in each office. Um, nice. and then another thing we're doing is we provide, we're kind of a centralized place to collect feedback and deliver it with a single voice to, um, you know, any part of the organization for which it can be helpful. Um, Again, when I was feeling isolated and didn't really know who to talk to, I I had never been in a mother's room before. I didn't know what about it was awesome or not awesome until I saw another mother's room. Mm. Um, There was another mother's room on another floor that had, that was really brightly lit. Um, It had a chair through which I could easily sit up and lean forward. There Mm. was a table next to it that was the right height so I could easily type while kind of reaching around the pumping apparatus. <laughs> um, and there were just all of these amenities that just made it amazing. And when I reached out to facilities to say, hey, you're making this other mother room. Let me tell you what's awesome about this one and how you could make it, you know, kick ass too. They, they did it immediately. And hopefully it's made a difference for women using that mother's room. Um, uh, I've also kind so of great. helped... Yeah, I really, I'm excited. Um, And then also I just met with some of the women in HR to say, you know, here are the different things that, you know, when I reboarded were really helpful to me. Um, And here were the things that, you know, I had to do to get the, get the, you know, the mother's room booking calendar set up with IT. Here's, you know, the process that I had to go through with security to get badged in. Um, What if we just made this part of the automatic process, a checklist, for every mom as she comes back. And now that's happening. So hopefully it's going to be more streamlined. Um, before, I think everyone's experience was a little bit more individualized. Because wow. it's... I think that's so great too. It's tough when you don't know what you need and you don't actively know anyone else who can, you know, who can foster you through this process. Well, I'm just impressed that you've had the wherewithal to... Uh, to collect and to disseminate these sort of things. Um, Thanks. I don't know if I, at nine months, was so <laughs> so on top of it and so present. So I'm impressed that you are, and I'm sure it will make a difference for for other moms at Yelp. Oh, thanks for saying that. First, let me just say it's not just me who's doing this. Yeah. There are other moms who are participating too. And, um, you know, something that I really love about Yelp is that our culture is incredibly conducive to this. Um you know, I felt weird about, you know, because of my own personal um, feelings about it, I felt weird going and talking to someone within our facilities group. Hey, did you know this is what's awesome about this mother's room? Can we make this other one like it? And the person who I emailed immediately jumped on it and said, this is awesome. Let's make it happen. And never in my wildest dreams 
did I think the response was going to be that positive until I thought about it later. And it's like, of course, it's going to be that's positive because this is where awesome things happen. It's really, mm. I don't know. It was really, it was really neat. That's really cool. So how many moms do you think are involved in the email list now? Uh, oh, man. <laughs> um, I don't it's know. Okay. It's okay if you don't know. Sure. I was just wondering, um, um, you know, you mentioned that you met these three women and, and that the email list is actually including your international offices. So I was just curious, like, is it an order of magnitude different, you know? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's difficult to say. I think, and especially as, um, you know, it's very difficult to find, to reach out and find moms in other mm. offices. You know, for example, I don't know... Um, I don't know any women in our East Coast office, so it's hard to um, rally them yeah. together. But one of the things, and actually our goal this quarter is to create a chapter for each office um, because each office is a little bit different. Um, there's one um, HR team member in one of our offices where she'll actually sit down with a returning mom and role play through um, the conversation around expressing lactation needs. Oh, wow. Um, I and, so could have used that as you heard. I know. <laughs> so difficult to talk about. <laughs> it's like, I need to go every 30, every three hours and do this thing. It's, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, but I want to make sure also leave policies are different in Europe than oh, they are course, in the yeah. continent of the United States. Um, what's what's culturally normal is different and i also want to make sure that you know the main san francisco or original chapter of this group we're not the only ones having events right so um i we've already reached out to we've already got a couple of um leading volunteers um in other offices and our hope this quarter is to get you know a chapter in each office where they can have their own um special email lists and um I don't know. I hope also this quarter we'll be able to get together a set of Google Docs around resources. Um, in the San Francisco Bay Area, there are two amazing resources for seeking out child care. Um, there's the San Francisco Children's Council. And in Oakland and Alameda County, there's um, Bananas. They are organizations <laughs> that ch- they teach courses on how to choose infant child care, how to interview a child care provider, how to... Um, and they're a referral service. You can call them up and say, you know, who's who has open spots right now oh, that's um, fantastic. within my area code. And just that was something I kind of knew about but didn't know how awesome it was until I took advantage of it. And um, there are tons of other tips and tricks and little tidbits of information out there that are more relevant to people who are in your like group. And I think usually, you know, having the same employer and being in the same geographical re- region and, you know, within the same profession can be that kind of, um, you know, cultural link that makes the information we share more relevant to each other. Yeah, definitely. Um, gosh, I, I remember trying to, <laughs> trying to have conversations with other moms at the, the playground who, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, there, there are just so many ways that, that people live their lives and, um, sure. and, and our lives would sometimes not match up in any way. You'd be like, oh, yeah. uh, so what do you do? Or, you know, cause I'm American. That's the question that comes out of my mouth. So what do you do? And they'd be like, oh, I, I stay at home with little Tommy. And I'd be like, all right. Okay. Where do we go from here? Sure. Yeah. That's incredibly difficult. Um, I had a similar experience. One of the resources that I took advantage of while I was home on leave was that I participated in the new moms group um, at the hospital where Mm. I gave birth. Um, It met once a week. It lasted for mm, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. Um, It was very cheap to participate. When I was there, um, I immediately met one couple who I'm still friends with. Today, we actually know someone in common and um, live very near each other at the same time. And our daughters live, are five days apart by age. Oh. Um, and so I have a lot in common with them. But there were also a lot of women in that group with whom I had nothing in common. Nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. And sometimes to have friends or acquaintances like that is in, is awesome because there is no ex- there's no excuse and it's completely reasonable to only talk about your kids with them. And there is something about that is so nice. 
There's also anonymity. Um, this person knows nothing about my life. So if I tell them some deep part of my physical recovery and they, you know, know something about my biology, it doesn't matter because they don't really know me. Um, right, right. But in addition to that, it's it's really fascinating to get these perspectives. I really learned a lot from some of these women who came from a very different background. And I also found myself gravitating with two women with whom I did share something. Yeah. Um, there was one other woman, woman in the group who worked for a startup. Um, and there was another woman whose field was chemistry. And mm-hmm. I found that, you know, having that kind of startup or more technical conversational style, it really resonated with me in a way that was very difficult to um, qualify. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, on the, the same lines of this, I mean, I think part of what felt um, so awkward about, for example, talking to a stay-at-home mom at the park, um, you know, in those first three months was that I knew that on that fourth month, that mom would still be at the park and that I wouldn't. <laughs> you know, yeah, and that, yeah, our lives would diverge from there. Um, I also remember there was like a, some kind of stroller walk exercise group in my town. And, um, and I thought like, oh, I could do that and looked at the schedule while I was out on leave. And then I thought, but I won't be able to keep doing that once I work again. Yep. Um, yeah, which, yeah, just, just put my, my whole situation in kind of a different bucket. Yeah, and it feels, and that too can feel isolating and, and weird. Yeah, you know, it's I don't know, it's just something you kind of got to deal with. Yeah. Well, um, it sounds like you have both had tremendous support around you and also created some of the support that you need. Oh, thank um, you. Do you have any advice for women who are are interested in the idea of creating a mom's group at their company for other women who are interested in starting a new mom's group or a mom's group within their organization. I think they'll find that the response will probably be very positive when you put it in the light of how important it is for diversity within an organization, um, how important it is to retain moms within your workforce after leave. And if you find things that could be better, people are usually really open to really open to feedback. It's not sometimes the changes don't need to be all that big, but sometimes identifying solutions can be hard. Um, like what I was describing with the mom's room, having bright lighting, um, secure badge access and a door slider that said in use or vacant, um, mm-hmm. a sink. Mm. I, you know, a, a bottle drying rack carousel. Um, these things are all really easy and they actually can be a tremendous win. Um, sometimes it just kind of requires a little additional thinking to communicate it in a way that if someone doesn't initially understand why having such a group is important, you can easily show with a little bit of, you know, with a little bit of creativity, how it actually really can have a positive impact for the company and, um, the business. Well, I hope that other moms will follow your lead because I think it's so amazing what you're doing. Um, do you have sure. any last, uh, you know, crazy tips or advice, stuff that you've figured out that, uh, you know, oh, like man. how to, you know, reuse a diaper for some amazing purpose or <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we don't really use it for any amazing purposes. <laughs> um You know, I asked two of my colleagues. We also have an engineering parents um, email list here in the office um, for which now there's more women on it. But at the time, I was the only um, woman. And I reached out and I said, what is the best advice you have? And two that were both amazing. um, First is waterproof changing pad liners are super important. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. I bought a pack of six. I'm about to pass three of them on. And... um, it was just awesome to do less cleaning up. I put them under everything for a while, and it was it was totally money. Awesome. Um, the second piece of advice I got from another engineering parent and someone that and something that I really think is true and a important perspective is that everything is a phase. Yeah. Um, both, you know, if you find something is happening with your child and or you're having to adjust to something, know that 
their behavior is going to change. And you'll also get better at handling it. Um, Early on, like I said, when my daughter's digestive system didn't work, it was incredibly difficult to be up during the witching hour for, you know, three hours with her crying to what would be solved ultimately with a gigantic fart. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so difficult, but now that works and that's not the issue. Yeah. Um, also, at some point in the time, I decided that it was okay for me just to sit on the exercise ball, bounce her for that time while watching something on the TV with, you know, um, closed captions turned on mm-hmm. and the brightness turned way down. So I... You know, I found a way to kind of handle it myself that um, worked out a little bit better. Right now, she, you know, she was sick last week and waking up during the night. I knew that once she got better, she would go back to sleeping more. And, and sure enough, it felt awful while it was happening, but now it's it's getting better. Um, I would like to encourage any woman who is pregnant to take more leave before the due date. It's hard to plan when you don't know exactly when that baby is coming, but I, I found a lot of value in that personal time. I, um, I so agree. Um, they, no one tells you that you're going to start parenting like uh, sleep deprived, which you are, you know, however long your labor is, it's exhausting. You, what you need is a nap and what you have is this crying baby who needs you. Right. So yeah. like as much as you can rest up beforehand, do it. I know. And if the baby is sleeping, a nurse will inevitably come and wake them up. Like, it's, it's so <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, awful. <laughs> um, yeah, I found, yeah, I definitely tried too hard to implement a schedule early on. Mm-hmm. Um, like, collect a lot of data that just, it wasn't necessary. Um, you know, because again, everything's a phase. So the baby is such a moving target. There's no point in collecting all that data. Yeah. Um, I found the new mom support group from my hospital to be incredible. And even though, you know, I found that a lot of women attended that support group who didn't give birth at the hospital. You know, chances are if the hospital where you give birth doesn't offer one, there's somewhere nearby where you can go and drop in anyway. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. I'm also a member of a couple of really great Facebook groups um, that are private, but you know, everyone within their extended social network probably knows a mom or someone who can help them find something that works well for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's, I think that's all I got. Well, and, um, from a little bit earlier, I think you, you made a really great point about how, um, as women in engineering, we, we tend to push ourselves hard and and hold ourselves to a high standard and that, um, Actually, being a beginner and doing a good job aren't, uh, you know, they're orthogonal, right? Like, yep, yeah. So yeah, you have to go easy yeah, on yourself. Definitely go easy on yourself because even when you're, you know, we call the process now for bringing a mom back from leave reboarding, um, and it's meant to sound like onboarding because. Even though I was doing this job for three years, coming back took a lot of adjustment. And um, probably one of the biggest problems I had adjusting was figuring out that, you know, three months, you know, Yelp did not stay stuck in a time bubble while I was gone, even (sighs) though I came back to find most of the same people there and sitting in the same places and my desk was the same. Things had changed and I didn't give myself enough time to adjust. Um, Mm. it's, you know, I was, I was really hard on myself because I was used to being able to be really good at lots of things. There was one particular day where I think I, I think I sent out an email to a large group of people that contained both a incorrect date and several typos. Oh no. And at the same time I merged, you know, our puppet repo to master incorrectly. And I think the thing that I merged in actually had a syntax error. So I broke Puppet on a large class of our hosts. That would not have happened um, pre-mom, Jenny. And it, it drove me. And that, that day I felt very self-conscious about, um, I, you know, am I, am I in the right place? <laughs> am I right. able to do this? Because, um, you know, to not be good at something that you think you're awesome at is it's a real confidence drain. It really, you know, your internal barometer gets off. Um, yeah. 
And I think that it's hard to, as you adjust, you're pumping three times a day and you're spending less time at your desk, you want to be more productive and get more things done. But you actually need to work slower because there are more context switches, because you're adjusting to everything new. It's it's an incredibly difficult thing to do. But as long as you, you know, work really closely, if your concern is what, you know, your manager or other people are expecting of you, you know, rap with them about it. You know, chances are it's it's probably just you and you're able to find a good compromise. Don't don't sit and ruminate on it on yourself because that is, you know, that's kind of a path to madness. Amen. <laughs> I totally agree. Well, thank you for sharing your experience and all of this, um, all of these great ideas around finding other moms. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Catherine. That wraps up this episode of Motherboard. To see pictures of our guests, get the details on our Creative Commons license, or to support the show, visit motherboardpodcast.com. Lastly, all views expressed on the show are individual opinions and not representative of any company. Thanks for listening and best wishes for a happy work life and happy parenting.